Welcome to another episode of Maverick Messages. My name is Andrew. I am a junior here at Providence Baptist College. And today we're excited because we're going to be bringing you one of our most recent chapel messages. So sit back, listen in, and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Amen. Here we go. Ezekiel chapter 15 in your Bibles this morning. Ezekiel chapter 15. And uh, let's stand, and I'll get you to stand and stretch your legs one last time. Amen. I always love that when Brother Coral says that. And uh, what a wonderful time. It could be the last time. Amen. All right, we got eight verses here. I want you, and I know often in the routine of any typical service, you know, the preacher or whoever the guest speaker is, or perhaps even the staff member says, stand, take your Bibles. I want you to read this. And this morning, I want to, it's, it's, it, it, the reality is there's a, there's a great truth that is in Ezekiel chapter 15 that is very applicable to you and I as Christians, New Testament Christians in this day. And so when we read this short eight verses, I want you to follow along. And I, want to, I'm not, I, I don't intend to be very long today, but I'm going I'm to I'm try to nail this down on right where we live, right where Christianity is today. And so I want you to get it. It'll help you understand it when I start to talk fast to get through this. I want you to process Ezekiel chapter 15, and then we'll end up in John chapter 15 as well, which go hand in hand with this portion of Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 15, verse number 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree? Or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Or will man take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel. The fire devoureth both ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. It is meat for and is it meat for any work? Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work? When the fire hath devoured that devoured it, and it is burned. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God: As the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. And I will make the land desolate, because they have committed A trespass, saith the Lord. Now, I want you to get this very quickly this morning. In Ezekiel chapter 15, you have a group of people who have gone through the good times and the bad times. And the children of God had a covenant that was, the Bible says, cut with them, right? There was a covenant that was cut with them as God's chosen people. The problem is at this moment is that God came to Ezekiel and he wanted them to understand something and he gives them this great portion of scripture for them to realize and understand that just because God had a covenant with them does not mean there are not consequences for your behavior. 
And they believed that because they were under us, yes, there's been bad things that have historically happened to us, but we always got through it and we always made it. And God has this covenant and it's going to be okay. Well, it got to this point where God wanted them to clearly understand, look, hold on, we were even in a Babylonian captivity, and, and we, you know, we're making it in, and they're coming out, and all this kind of stuff that's going on. But God went to his man, gave him a message for God's people to understand, hey, let me tell you something, you're in trouble. And where that fits for us today, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to get this very clearly today, and we'll break this whole chapter down in just a couple minutes. I want, I want us to understand something this morning. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is quoted hundreds if not thousands of times every Saturday. For by grace be saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I want you to get this this morning. Just like God had a covenant with a vine. God made a covenant with a group of people who without him were worthless. A vine apart from itself apart from a maker, apart from the right source, is absolutely useless. You and I, apart from Jesus Christ, are absolutely useless. But just like God had his man in Ezekiel rebuke the religious group of people who knew and had a covenant and had the religiosity this is what's happening today. I believe in our churches and I believe in our homes. We are no better than a group of people with an Old Testament covenant that are abusing the grace of God because of salvation in our lives at the expense of our own ignorance that is allowing us to be complicit to the sin that is dwelling inside of us. And we have mastered believing that our anti-God thinking, our anti-God living is okay because I've been saved by grace. I'm trying to preach short this morning, but I want you to get this. Grace places high demands. Just like God sent his man to his people by saying, you cannot continue to plead ignorance and rebellion because I have a contract with you that there will not be consequences just like you and I, can claim by faith, by grace, that we're saved, that there are not still consequences for the high demand 
that grace places in salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'll bless this message this morning. Father, we need to hear from you. We need to, honestly, all of us, be shaken out of our apathy. And I pray that you'll help us understand your word, the power of it, and what you want us to learn today to apply in our lives to be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. False sense of security existed with the children of Israel. They, they believed because of their activities and their lifestyle that God, with his covenant in their life, would not alter the end result of whatever the supposed promise was. And you can follow this throughout Scripture that even though God promised even David that there would always be a descendant on the throne to Jesus Christ, the Lord had to, had to X out even one line of that and go through a different line because of pure rebellion. So I don't want anybody to get the false impression today to not understand or realize that there is a high demand for the grace of God. Now we understand grace is unmerited favor. So I'm not trying to twist the rest of scripture today to help you understand that salvation for you and I today is by the grace of God. It is received by faith. We do not deserve it. And thank God for the moment, the dispensation or the period of time where grace uh, through faith for you and I is acceptable until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Let us go into the highways of the hedges and compel them to come in. Amen. Let's just keep on preaching the gospel. We're not Calvinists. Amen. We believe in the gospel the power of the gospel and that God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but this is what we have to understand those are all just simple statements of application that we understand and believe clearly from the word of God but what is transpiring today in the New Testament church and in the hearts and the lives of the New Testament Christians is that we are no better off than a bunch of rebellious children of children of God in Jerusalem in Israel's days that caused those men of God to take a stand and say, hey, you are way too comfortable. You're rebellious. And you think that just because you're saved that there are not consequences for that rebellion. That false sense of security only contributed to the continual negligence in their required relationship with God. And just like there was an expectation from God and in them in their lives because he, he promised Abraham that I will make of thee a great nation and he gave those promises, he gave that covenant, he gave the covenant from the beginning and all of those benefits that come with the covenant are still accessible and still available just like grace is still accessible and still available for any who will call upon the Lord to be saved by faith it's still available today so you and I must understand that there are consequences when we neglect the grace of God that's in us. Just because salvation was unmerited favor in our lives does not mean that we can continue in sin that grace may abound. Shall we? Paul says, God forbid. There was a false sense of security that caused the children of Israel to believe that God was not going to judge them. God was not even going to chastise them. They understood that crisis may come. They understood that turbulence may come. But they always would look to how God always made a way in the wilderness as an excuse for the negligence in their behavior. Now you've got to understand this. Neglect or negligence in any relationship is always an environment in which an affair 
repair can begin. You're not going to have a relationship with anybody where you neglect one of two of anything, any party in that relationship where there's going to be an affair. Now, you can cut it any way you like it. You don't have to agree with the terminology in which I just said. But the, the re reality is, if you have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and you're talking to other boys and you have a boyfriend, you're creating neglect in that relationship. Or you're doing it because there's already neglect in that relationship. If you are a boy and you have a girlfriend, you're a man, you have a girlfriend, and you're talking to a bunch of flirt with a bunch of other girls while you have a girl friend, there's obviously neglect in your relationship. And so often in our lives, there's idolatry in our supposed relationship with God. And because God is not ever present in a, man, in a physical manifestation, we excuse our walk with God and we put him as the last, at the back of the burner, at the last of the priorities, because, oh, God understands whatever's going on in your life that you can continue to excuse it. Hey, listen, child of God, you got to understand it, that God places, grace places, is a very high demand. Now, if I happen to have a brand new car today and I gave that car to Dominic this morning and I said, here, Dom, here's a free car for you and you got in that car and you went out on that road, you were negligent in your driving and you totaled the car and you came back in here and said, Pastor, I just totaled the car. Do you have another one? I would laugh in his face. So why is it any different that we're neglectful in our relationship with God and we do what we want when we want and then we go to church on Sunday or we hear a chapel message on one time a week or whenever we hear it and also, oh yeah, that's right, we're going to do something about it. We're no better in our walk with God when we fail to understand that there is a high demand in our life because of the grace of God and how much more the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm trying to help you this morning, young people, because at some point in your life, you would better understand, because there's a whole lot of nonsense that's happening today with adults that are a little older than you. They're a decade, they're two decades ahead of you, and they're living in a life of misery, and it's because the precedent has been established in their life when they were teenagers, and then when they were young adults, that they could abuse the grace of God in neglect, and because maybe it wasn't the worst of sins, and it wasn't this bad sin, it wasn't this bad sin, but just the the fact the Bible doesn't say it's, it has to be a heinous sinful act neglect any sort of neglect is enough to cause an environment in which an affair can begin and I think we've lost our, we lost our urgency today we have lost our urgency that there is an expectation from God God has expectations if I give that car to Dom, I have an expectation by grace. Does he deserve that car? No. Have you seen his pickup truck? You know he doesn't deserve that car. He doesn't deserve that. He didn't do anything. Which means he has to be responsible. Why is it when it comes to the grace of God and salvation that you don't have to be responsible for your Christian living? Why do you think that there doesn't have to be some sort of element of urgency in your life that my walk with God and my talk with God and my behavior and how I live, I, I appreciate it and I'm okay with it. In the college, I told you all earlier, we have filters at Providence Baptist College. But guess what? I've been around here long enough to dean the students that if you want to get away without using those filters, there's always a way around the filter. There's always a way to go do what you want to do. There's always a way to carnally minded to think about something and, and the, the, the devious mind and the, the 
ingenuity of those that are locked up in criminal institutions because of some heinous act or crime that they committed, and yet the brilliance of their mind, and yet they're not, they're set, their mind is set on wrong behavior instead of yielding to God. And understanding that grace demand has high expectations. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says this, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree? Or that a branch which is among the trees of the forest. Here you see that the vine tree, it's asking a question. And you notice one thing that's really understanding. Hey, when you think of vines, what do you think of? Another word for a grape. A grape is a what? It's a fruit. Do you notice that nothing in this portion of scripture says anything about fruit? The whole purpose of a vine is to bear fruit. And here in verse 2, he says, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree or, or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Hey, look at me. You claim to have the Holy Ghost of God in your life. What are you? What are you without fruit? You're no good. You're just like any other tree. Oh, man, look at that oak tree. and Look how wicked they are. And look at that maple tree. And look at that honey locust. And look at all these worldly trees. And look at all that. Hey, listen to me. You are a vine. Throughout the Old Testament. Now, we understand the New Testament. Jesus clarifies all that for you and I. We'll get there. But I want you to understand that without me, you can do nothing. And we want to sit back and we want to think that we're really good Christians. Oh, are we really good? Are we really good? Let's walk through the corridors of your heart. Let's walk through the corridors of your mind. Let's, let's evaluate our actions and our thoughts and our, and our speech and our behavior. Let's analyze and evaluate the true reality of where we are. And I think if we did that, and if we had a, a screen in our life that displayed what was actually going on in our life, how humbling that should be. What are you? Look, he's saying God to Ezekiel. What is the vine tree more than any tree? What are you? Where is the fruit? What is, where's the fruit? I said it earlier, hey, listen, uh, you give me pizzas and a candy, I'll fill a bus. But where's the Holy Spirit? I'm not minimizing the work or the effort. But the world does a lot too. Where's the true fruit? Look at verse 3 and 4, it says this. It says, uh, it says uh, shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Or will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? God's telling Ezekiel, hold on, we're talking about a vine. You did that pin there? Hey, listen, how many ever, I mean, your dorm rooms especially, you probably had it. You take your coat off, you take your jacket off, your suit or whatever, and you hang it on a pin. You hang a picture on a pin, and it falls off. You hang photos up and you're in the middle of the night, you're sleeping, bam, bam, crash. And you're like, whoa, you jump out, you can't get back to sleep. What was it? It was some little, you thumbtack something and it didn't work. Listen, you know, that's exactly what God is saying here. A vine is crooked. A vine is brittle. A vine serves no, no true benefit. Are you going to make furniture out of it? Look at this. Look at this veneer wood. 
This serves a purpose. You can't do this with a vine. You can't do anything with it. What, what, what good are you? Oh, no, I'm a vine. I'm a vine. I'm, I'm part of the vine. And how many times in the scripture did God equate that to the children of Israel? And they were stuck with a title and believed because they had a title that that was enough. Look at verse 4 and 5. Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel, and the fire devoureth both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. It is meat for, is it meat for any work? Behold, when it is whole, it, is, it, it was meat for no work. How much less shall be meat yet for any work when the fire hath devoured it, and it is burned? The question there again, that the truth is that a, that a dead tree cut down serves a greater purpose than a vine that is not connected properly and is not bearing fruit. Useless. A tree can still be used. How many times you had a bonfire and you try to burn a tree, and if it's not completely dry or split right, that thing, it won't be burnt in the middle, will it? No. You have bonfires. I have them. And then sometimes there's big old logs that are left over. It was just too big for the fire. You know what God's trying to say? Hey, don't, don't ever get to the point where you think you're too big for the fire. Don't ever get to the point where you think that from the head, doesn't it say both ends and the middle? That's you and I when we're doing what we want to do at the expense of the grace of God that's been bestowed in our lives. Look at verse 6 through 8. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, is the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against you and I will make the land desolate because that they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord. You know what the Lord's trying to say? Hey, y'all think you're comfortable because you got a title? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You think you're comfortable because you have a title. But let me tell you something. Your little title, Christian, you know what it means? I know a lot of Christians. I know people a lot better than you. And they bounce, they bounce, better than me. You know what? I've watched their life, though. They bounce from one fire to the next. And they come out of one fire, just like the children of Israel did, just like they came out of captivity. Oh, good, no. And they went out from one fire, they went right into another one, where there's never relief, there's never fruit, there's no, never pro- productivity, because they didn't understand the high, that grace places high demands in our lives. And it's time. Hey, I'm not talking to you like your children. This isn't junior church. Grace places high demands. And it is time to grow up. Grow up. Not grow up to be like me. All of us need to grow up with a sense of urgency. That just all it's... We have a liberal, patty puke, nonsense Christianity today where people are rocking out to ungodly music and drinking and fornicating and joking, ungodly jokes. With this pseudo, pseudo, oh God, forgive me. Please forgive me, God. God knows my heart. Who do you think you're fooling? Who are you fooling? You'd rather play video games and read your Bible? 
You'd rather talk about somebody else than read your Bible? Now I'm talking about where you live. You'd rather murmur and complain. You'd rather, you'd rather spend time on YouTube and do all that stuff than you would be on your knees and pray for the power of God in your life. Social media and all the ills of it. And until I'm blue in the face, I hope by the grace of God and the power of God that I continue to slap that like a redheaded stepchild because I promise you, you're never going to experience the promise of God. You're never going to experience the power of God as long as you allow that, that stuff to consume you. It can be like anything else, but the more you waste your time, if you use it as a tool, it's okay. But when you use it as a toy, it's not okay. And it's robbing innocency and it's robbing youth. You can't have that stuff and not tell me in a split second that you haven't seen nudity and that you tolerate it and that you accept it and you think it's no big deal and here we are. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm saved by the Lamb of God. I'm saved. And you'll have to flick through 70,000 images today that you'll just swipe from left to right or up and down and you're viewing that girl in a bathing suit and you're looking at that guy in a lustful way and you keep flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping and thinking that it's okay. And it's no big deal, but it's rendering the children of God useless, and we can do it. And I can talk about a million other things that we think are no big deal, but there is a high demand for the grace of God that Jesus Christ experienced on that cross of Calvary. And it's time for you and I, as the children of God, don't listen to me. You listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. But at some point, you have to be willing to die to yourself and die to your flesh and say, no, because we're no better. We're a vine that's cast to the fire that is useless. Useless from end to end. Now, the interesting thing is we don't determine the start and we don't determine the end. The only thing that we get determined is whether or not, by the grace of God, there's fruit in between. Because people can die when they're 10. Last night, a, a, a 10-week-old baby died. Only God knows. What end to end actually means. Burnt from end to end. End in the middle. When God says, I will set my face against them, trust me, you want your hand, you want the hand of God on you. You don't want anything of God against you. Can you imagine being opposed? Opposed with the presence of... That's what it's saying. They were opposed with the presence of God. Now, I mean, think about... Even in their frail religious attempts, they would do something good and they would build something and the opposition, like God became the adversary because really that's what it's saying. So my little one-year-old son builds these Legos and I walk in and go, and I knock it over. And he didn't see me. I did it invisibly. 
And he walks back in there. He's like, and he starts building it again. He turns his back for a second, and I kick it over. And he's looking around saying, what's going on? That's exactly what happens in the Christian life. Where we've made God our adversary? Now, we understand. Listen, stay with me, okay? Don't, don't, don't go crazy on me. But that's what happened there. To grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Now, let me give you some practical things, and we'll be done. What's it mean for us? Number one, be careful. Be careful of self-deception. Be careful of self-deception. You've heard it many times, the greatest deception is self-deception. You and I cannot afford to trust ourselves. You can't trust your, Hey, ladies, look at me. You can't trust your emotions. You need to function on principle. Your emotions will run away with you, and you will make, you will make emotional because God created you emotional. And, and whether you resent it or think that you're tough and a man and you can handle it in some other state of mind, then you're transgendering your mind because God didn't make you that way. Well, I think like a man. I wouldn't admit that. Don't say that out loud. That's not how God made you. Men, the same thing. The truth is now we have women are making more sound decisions of the men because the, the, the men are so effeminate, their stinking skinny jeans are squeezing their brains. Be careful of self-deception. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know what season this is? Somebody tell me what season this is in your life. It's harvest right now. For a majority of you, this is, this is sowing season. Your age dictates that this is sowing season. Now, you sh- if you've been saved long enough, you've been in church, it also can be reaping season, harvest season for some of you. But the majority of your sowing, it's going on right now, which means in 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to be reap time. End to end, is there going to be any fruit? There will not be if the self-deception rules and reigns in your heart. And how you can tell that is whether or not you're yielded to the Spirit of God and counsel and the Word of God in your life. Number two. So number one, be what? Number one, be what? You can just say, be careful. Number one, be what? Be careful. Be careful. Be careful of self-deception. We are going to reap what we sowed. Thank God we don't reap all that we sowed because of the grace of God, but only those who confess and forsake shall find mercy. Most Christians today are willing to confess. They're not willing to forsake. Let me say that again. Most Christians today are willing to confess. I can preach the message about any, any one of our sins. We can, I can preach on bitterness today, and there would be tears in this auditorium right, to, right now. I could preach on bitterness, and one of you, some of you, multiple, all of you could be here because you're hurt at some point in your life, and you could come forward. And you could say, God, I don't want bitterness to destroy me. But until you forsake the bitterness, just like we heard Sunday night, unless you pluck out that sycamine tree, you're never going to be able to plant faith. 
And the roots of that sycamine tree are greater in its depth than it is in its manifestation on the surface. Be careful. Number two, be mindful. Be mindful of what? Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Be mindful. What are we supposed to be mindful of? That our heart is what? Two words. Desperately what? Wicked. Be careful. Self-deception. Be mindful of desperately wicked. It's real easy to identify in other people problems that they have that are often our own lives. It's definitely always easy to look at other people for what they don't do because they're breaking the rules and think that they're breaking the rules on the outside when the truth is in your heart, you've broken more rules. See how it works? Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he... You know, the, you know hey, listen, listen to me, Bible college, Bible college student. Hey. Desperately... You don't think so? What do I have to do? Spend the next 45 minutes talking about what you thought about in your sleep and you don't even know it. The heart, let alone what you thought in daytime. Give an account? Give an account? Do we even know what that means to give an account for our sin? The eye of envy, of jealousy, of rage, of hurt, of wounds, of pride, prideful look. We don't think we have pride. We have pride the way God made us. Why'd you do this? We have pride about our roommates, and we have pride about this, and we have pride about this, and have pride about that and this isn't fair and we're so full of pride. So much pride. Oh, if we were really to spend time and be mindful of the desperately wickedness that's in our own hearts. Well, at least I'm not like her. At least I'm not like, at least like who? Man, there's a high... Grace places a high demand. With, with, with the, the same judgment that you judge, you shall be judged. Man, you, that, that should cause us to recoil. Not to strike, but recoil in our hearts to say, oh, it's so-and-so does this and so. No, listen, we need to be careful. We need to be mindful of this last one. Young purpose, I, I could go on on this, but we're, we're cannibalizing ourselves. We're sowing right now. You're 17, 18, 19, 20 plus. You're sowing right now. God has demands. And we live in an unaccountable society that wants our cake and eat it too. And we don't want any accountability. We want to be able to float in and float out. Well, let me just tell you something. Every one of us are going to give an account for the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you can relate more to a car than you can to the blood of Christ, I can't help you. But when's the last time we're broke? Did you hear from end to end? 
the whole chapter, Brother Houston, no fruit. Be careful of deception. Be mindful of wickedness. I've been saved for 10 years. Go ahead. Let's start talking about what's in our heart right now. How long? How long? How long before something escapes this right here because of the pressure of the reality that's right here in our heart being squeezed? And sometimes the louder we get in our lifestyle is a mask for a gaping wound. The last thing is be faithful. Go to John 15. I'll be done. John 15, come on. John chapter 15, thank God. Verse number one, I am the what? What a blessing. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. That's a whole message right there. Every branch where every branch where that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he does what? That it may bring forth what? Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse number four, verse first word, what's it say? Abide. Abide in me. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Drop down to verse number nine. I love this because in verse number nine, he spells out what abide means. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Has he loved you? So what's your problem today? No, what's your problem? Well, my social media status says single. Good. Go shopping. <laughs> As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Look at that next word. What is it? You know what abide means? Just to continue. To continue to dwell, to rest, to stay, to remain, to endure, and to be sustained. Where does this leave us? It leaves us with the responsibility that God, by the grace of God, and only that grace, are we saved. And the whole purpose of being what? Number one, being what? Being what? Being careful of deception. Number two, being mindful. mindful. Being mindful of desperately wicked. Man, thank God I ain't got their problems. How do you know it's not already a seed in your heart? Thank God I ain't a drunk. Are you sure that it's not already there? You may not have tipped the bottle, but how do you know the seed's not there? Be mindful. And the third thing is be what? Be faithful. Be faithful to what? Abide. To continue. 
you're sitting here, which means you have, we would say, leg up. You have such an advantage over so many people to just determine, man, from end to end, I, by the grace of God, want to bear, bear. And then it says, fruit and more fruit and then much fruit and then fruit that remains. Because the father's the husband and when you start to bear fruit, there may be some things that come into your life where the husbandman has to come in to purge. You know what he only, you know what he purges? He purges the dead vine. He, pur- he purges the part of your life that's not producing anything and he takes it and what's he do with it? Throws that in the fire. That's okay. That's good. Is it a painful process? Yes, because we look at the purging and we're like, oh, not that too. You look at it purging and you look at Providence Baptist College. You know what Providence Baptist College does? Sometimes it's used as a tool by God to purge. Purge quitters. Purge, purges infidels. Unfaithful. People who have no stewardship. People who won't have faithfulness. God uses places to purge, to reveal. But even that purging in life, if you respond properly to the difficulty that's going to happen, by the way, it happens to everybody. All of us have to go through the purging process. Right. At the end of the purging process, I, I, think, I think you know what it's called? It's called a big day. I think it's called 44 saved on a Sunday. Amen. Do you know why? Because you were willing to go through the purging process to put the time and the effort and the labor with the right spirit, and God honored that, and God blessed it, and then you see an increase. It's fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains. And that way at Northwest Bible Baptist Church, to the glory of God, you can see people that, were, that, were, that are there this past Sunday that were reached during last program. How does that happen? Purging process. Because there's a group of people that just said, I want to stay faithful. I may not be the smartest, the brightest. I may not be the best looking. I may not be the most intellectual, but I can abide. And when I abide, and when I abide, and when I continue, and when I stay, and when I get rest, and when I'm sustained, and when I endure, you'll come forth. There is grace that places a high demand. Don't ever let the devil or a weak-kneed religion talk you out of your responsibility. Dom, I gave him a brand-new truck. You know what he's going to do? You're going to be very careful. You watch people at Northwest Bible Baptist Church when they get new vehicles, you know where they park? As far away as anybody that they can. As a matter of fact, they take up two spots. Why? They don't want anybody to dent in their car. You know what I tell people? Get a new car, take your key and go scratch it somewhere. Out, just get it over with. That way it's not a God in your life. Yeah. I do. Now do it in a way, do it in a place where nobody can see it, okay? But but would you stay with me? If you get nothing else from this message today, may you please get, may we all be reminded that there that there is a high demand for the grace of what you've been given. Of what you've been given. The fact that your Savior reached way, way down to save you. And He offered Himself way down. Saying, come on. Come 
come on. He did that for you. And you're, you, when you really are careful and mindful and faithful to realize how far he reached down for you, you're going to look at those demands of grace and you're not going to resent it. You are not going to resent it. Oh, the rules. And you will not resent it. You will run to it because it's an honor to be a recipient of grace. The victims, they're the ones where God becomes your oppressor, where God's hand is against you and not for you. This is sowing season. And from end to end, by the grace of God, may it not be burnt. May there be some fruit that abounds to the glory of God. Do you want fruit? You want fruit in your life? I don't want you to be barren. I don't want you to be barren. What a wonderful message we just heard. I hope you were as challenged as I was after hearing that powerful sermon. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on another episode of Maverick Messages.